0: Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today I'm very excited to welcome Austin Wells on our show. Austin is an author, spiritual medium, and soul gardener who empowers individuals to create soul-centered lives. A certified grief counselor, she combines intuition and mediumship with shamanism, energy medicine, and sacred ceremony. Austin is presents, and educates at many national conferences, including the Sun Valley Wellness Festival, as well as the original Afterlife Conference, for which she has been a board member for seven years. She will be featured in Bill Bennett's upcoming films, Facing Fear and Faith, along with Paul Selig. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Yes, great and Dr. Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, and Dr. Anita Sanchez, to name a few, often develop the Divine Spark Cards and Divine Insight Cards to empower you to connect more deeply with your soul and add a powerful tool to your light worker Toolbox. Her Amazon best-selling book, Soul Conversations, teaches you how to connect, heal, and empower yourself so you can live a soul-centered life. Welcome to the program, Austin. Thank you so much,
1: Marla. I am very excited about sharing time with you.
0: Yes, and um, I'm so excited because this is just perfect timing um, to have you on the show to, to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world today and some of the lessons that you feel as a spiritual teacher and healer that are being presented to us and what you think this is all about and how we can also manage our anxieties and fears. So so why don't you just go for it, Austin?
1: (laughs) I absolutely will. I I'm an eternal optimist by nature. I know that our soul is comprised of two aspects of ourselves. We have our very evident human being, but then our soul is equally a spiritual being at the same time. If you think of like a yin yang symbol, it's a great way of kind of having an identification that we are meant to be dualistic, we're meant to have two voices inside at all times, and therefore the glorious responsibility we have is how do we manage those voices and which voice do we allow to be the main contributor to our our thinking. So to assume that people, any of us, are not being impacted by the current climate would be absolutely an unexpected and improbable expectation. We need to allow ourselves to be human, but the human component is the aspect of us that is connected to our ego and all of our emotions. So that part of us, what I like to call the finite self, believes it's mortal because it identifies itself as physical. So in that context, if we relate to everything as physical, then we do believe we die because everything physical has a limitation to the life it leads. So there is inherent fear looking at life from a finite perspective because we will be very conscious of the fact that we're mortal. It also presets us for this expectation because the finite self can't be self-reflective that life happens to us. So it automatically puts us in in a mindset of being victimized by the things that transpire in our lives. Now, the good news is... We have an other aspect of our soul, which is the truth of our soul, which is the energetic self, our infinite self. Now our infinite self sees itself as energetic, sees itself as connected, and because it knows its energy, It understands that it's immortal. It understands it's connected, that there's no division between one thing or another. So it's really two very different perspectives. One is energetic and one is physical. So from the energetic perspective, it allows us to witness life as happening for us because we understand that we're constantly in a level of evolution. So with those two perspectives, you can love your human being when you feel like you're victimized by something. By allowing your infinite self to parent that aspect of yourself and then utilize all the self-help tools that many people take on board and learn in these particular times. This is where the work gets applied. So we've been practicing it and it's all well and good to practice meditation when you're feeling groovy and everything's going fine. Now is where the tools really get utilized.
0: Right. And so what do you think some of the lessons the lessons we are being given or challenged with right now? Well,
1: if you look at, I'll I'll answer it from two different perspectives. Initially, I want to look at it from the astrological perspective and with Mm. a, you know, like a, a floating disclaimer at the bottom of all of this, that I'm not an astrologer. However, I try very much to expose myself to all currents of education, right? The astrologers have been announcing and proclaiming that the year 2020 was going to be what they have called a global reset I'd like to reframe that language and not say reset but say upgrade so anytime there's a dynamic shift in consciousness It's much like Mercury in retrograde. You can feel a retrograde prior to when it happens during the time a planet is retrograde and also after a retrograde happens. So we would have had to be begun, we would have had to have begun our education before the reset really kicks in. So, in my observation of sitting with people working with the spirit world, channeling to their loved ones, and then additionally having a council of souls that work with me to gift the people that I'm working with a higher level of consciousness beyond what the human bandwidth could understand. It is apparent to me that we will have larger scale information given to us. So the main pattern that all of us are learning from is what I like to call the finite self triangle. It aligns with the drama triangle that was created in the early 1970s. And what it is, is the defaults that we go to when we feel disempowered in a relationship. So more or less, what happens when we get triggered by a relationship? It happens when somebody says something to us that shifts us out of the current moment, it then aligns us with a prior belief or experience and disempowers us in the moment to consciously respond and we'll have an unconscious response because we've been triggered. There are three roles within that that we play. We'll default to nurturers, well, we will default to rescuers, victims, or persecutors. So we are learning and have been learning about the, the tri- that triangle for years. But where it really has stepped up to me a level is in the last couple of years, we have been working with the role of the narcissist in our culture. We have been learning how that role, when we are put in a place where someone overtakes us, where someone demands we do their agenda, where someone is overbearing, where someone doesn't seem to care about the whole or when someone's actions are completely self-based and they have no connection to other people. And that would be the sex scandals we experienced in the last couple of years. It can be elements of authoritarian, or authoritarian leadership that we're witnessing where there seems to be a disconnection from the personal and more of a private agenda. So that particular role is so juicy it demands that if that person steps in that way that we either try to create change which is the high um evolution of the rescuer right or that we go we feel completely disempowered and we go to victim however if you've noticed in the last couple of years the people that would have defaulted to victim more or less let's just take the sex scandal that was so you know, prevalent and the Me Too movement, all of a sudden, all these people that chose to not have a voice in the past. And I use that word because I understand that movement. And I'm honoring the fact that there were times in my life, I didn't know I had a voice. So I'm honoring that innocence in me and that part in me that didn't know. But now we came to a group evolution where we together realized that that was inappropriate behavior and that we right. had a right to claim our voice. So that victim role is, is evolving because of this dominance of the narcissist. So we have learned from the role of the narcissist spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. The one level that has yet to impede us or rather had yet to impede our soul evolution was physically. So what happens? A presentation of a quote unquote bully, a virus that seems to dominate, that where we have no control, that puts us automatically in victim, comes into our consciousness. So now we really get to transform this lesson together. Right.
0: And it had to be something so huge that that people would wake up. And I, I so agree with you that our world has, especially Western civilization, it's all about me, 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 you know, and I've heard you talk a little bit about the whole social media world and what that's, what's that, what that is doing to people and to our, our very young and taking that authenticity away from people because they think they want to be like everyone else, yeah. but it's all about me. And can you just speak, speak on that a little bit?
1: I'd love to, because I adore the younger generation. I think, I think the millennials and the generations that are up and coming are absolutely a breath of fresh air. I love the fact that they came in with golf cleats and essentially said, I don't understand what you guys are doing and this doesn't work for us. So we're going to rename everything. I, I really love because where we are right now in the consciousness is we needed disruption. We needed, we needed to be awakened because a lot of our consciousness was unconscious. So I appreciate the fact that they've come in to reclaim as their own and redefine it, where I think there's a learning curve. And if you remember your 20s and your 30s, I was so certain I understood things at that age. And my identification was no different than a lot of what we're witnessing of people knowing everything or having the idea of knowing everything at a younger age. Their accessibility to information is completely different. There is an intelligence level that is quite heightened, but there's also a susceptibility to being, to falling into the exact same cage that all of us have fallen into, which is to repeat what we see or to mirror someone else's success thinking that's the only avenue. Mm -hmm. So I part of the trajectory of the human experience is to mirror to the point that you almost lose yourself or getting lost in the patterns of others to have a really dynamic authentic wake up call and then to come online just as the universe is really asking all of us to do. But to come online authentically and have the audacity To say no to something everybody else is saying yes to, not because you want to stand out because of the no, but because the internal mechanism does not agree with what is externally being expressed. And if we could move forward in that kind of authenticity, which I really feel is the pulse of the younger generations, I think they really want to make a difference. I think they really want to be part of the conversation, but we can't ever put into parentheses a group of people as not being viable. So in as much as there are older generations that are putting in parentheses the millennials, the millennials are equally putting in parentheses older groups because of a lack of communication and a lack of compassion. So the advantage of an adversity is that it puts everybody back into the exact same classroom. Right. And it demands that we all look at each other with compassion because there is no difference in that moment, which makes me always certain that it's a spiritual lesson. Yes. So adversity happens to remind us that we are connected.
0: yes so what what can we do um, for for those that are you know listening and thinking you know this is all good and well, but I'm anxious, I'm stressed, I can't go out. What are some of the tools in in your beautiful toolbox that that you share with others?
1: Part of the path of service that I've decided to step into, Marla, during this time was I was led to create a homeschool because I realized all of us are home. And for a lot of us, that is a very new moment because we're so used to being out, not in. Right. It's reflective to me of a greater consciousness that we are more out than in. So I decided to create a homeschool to address these exact challenges because it really is about personal management. So I just did a class last night, which is available for people, a video, an hour video that talks about what the soul is, which I talked a little bit about and yeah. then tools and techniques to help yourself. So the part of you, if we go back to that aspect of the dualism of our soul, the finite self is the part that is having the response to the exterior right now. Your infinite self, your spiritual self, if cultivated and attuned with, will help you understand that what is happening outside of you is simply happening outside of you. Our creative control, we can't control what's happening outside, but we can control how we respond to it. Right. So allowing that infinite self within our soul to parent the finite self, when the finite self, with all of its emotions of fear and anxiety and anxiousness and depression and guilt and shame, goes kind of a little henny penny. (laughs) (laughs) This is the spiritual opportunity. So how can we do this? One of the things that I shared is you can utilize your hand to help calm all of the emotional values of your system. So each one of the fingers has different acupuncture meridians that land in each and by merely identifying the emotion that you're feeling, which is already fantastic self-awareness, because this was originally something that was taught as a tool to children. So what I love about it is, is it's taking up, most of the best spiritual tools are really things that were taught to kids. Yes. So if you if you simply put your hand in front of you or just you know take take the idea of your hand, your thumb, we all witness little babies sucking their thumb. Right. So they're worried. They're a little, this is a new experience for them. They're worried. So, really, why babies suck their thumbs, and you'll also notice now, watch babies, they'll suck multiple different fingers. They already have the innate knowledge to take care of themselves. So, by sucking their thumb, they're calming their worry. So, the thumb is worry. The index finger is fear. So, a lot of times when little kids have nightmares or our unconscious, just is so active right now though our dreamscape might be a little busy too so if you wake up in the middle of the night and you are anxious and don't want to have the same dream again you actually have two emotions coming up which is you have worry and fear so all you would do is take your right hand and grab your left thumb and index finger and hold them And what it does is creates a circuitry that connects both your fingers to your heart, to your hand. So it creates this loop. And automatically, within about 30 seconds to a minute, you'll find your physical response to the self-nurturing. This is a deep breath in and a calming breath out. And most kids fall asleep, can't even remember the dream in the morning. So that's the first two fingers. What do we do with our middle finger? We flip people off. We do that because we are angry. So our middle finger is anger. I think that one's pretty easy for people to understand. Yes. They remember. <laughs> the ring finger is where we celebrate our relationships. The primary emotion that is activated from our relationships is grief. So the ring finger is grief. And then the little pinky finger. If you put it up and you look and see how it's smaller than the other ones, it's trying to be as big as that. I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that and I'm trying to do that. It also can be putting on a false face. So the index finger is a little bit more complicated than the straight emotions of the first four fingers. But by just holding each one of your fingers, you're nurturing yourself. And that is all that's being asked at this time. You're not supposed to change how you feel. You're just supposed to meet it. And embrace right. it and learn from it and ask yourself, okay, wow, I'm really scared. If I, if that aspect of me is like a child, how would I treat a child in this circumstance? Well, I probably would turn off whatever the stimulus was that was creating fear. I wouldn't listen to that as much. I might get some crayons out and I might draw. I might go to something that makes me feel creative and connective, which is an aspect of the soul. So just starting with your the fingers in the hand, that's a beautiful way to create self-nurturing.
0: You know, it's um when you say that about crayons and I, I hear you talk about getting back to that childlike enthusiasm, you know, to be excited, passionate about something, not always thinking ahead and and worrying about things. Yeah, well, so and
1: look at, look at the gift of this, essential timeout right We have we're in yes. recess we're essentially all on recess if you think of it that way
0: mm-hmm. you
1: don't on recess when you're a kid sit down and open your math book unless you've got a test and, <laughs> and try to figure stuff out that stresses you out. When you have recess you run outside you you play you you run you do everything that's joyful because it's like your time
0: right so
1: people have their time back now. And that in and of itself to have this perspective of your life to really sit down with yourself consciously and say, okay, I'm being given a moment, I'm being given, an everything's on pause. What is important to me? Have I changed? Yeah. Am I aligned with the same things I'm aligned with? Do I need to make some different decisions? What stresses me out in my life that is disallowing me to relax into this moment? And how can I take this opportunity to revision how I go forward so when I have these moments of calm and these moments of peace, I can relax into it instead of step out of it because I feel like I've still got stuff to get done. Right. So our lives have gotten so ahead of us that I think we've forgotten we consciously create them. Right, right. So by being given this moment, it's such a gift.
0: Such a gift. And and it seems that so many just don't know what to do with it, though. You know, it's, it's almost... To be by yourself. Oh, my goodness. I, I actually love to be by myself. But, but so many because they've just never really, really been there. So just to, just to have that quiet time. Yeah. What have your, um, I know you were, have worked with indigenous cultures and, and shaman. Are you actually a shaman? Oh, I yeah. Mean, I know that. Okay.
1: Yeah. I went, I, uh, I studied at the Four Winds.
0: Yes, and then I've continued
1: studies with uh, different shaman organizations. But with the Four Winds, I took I, all of my certifications. I have all their master certifications. So I Beautiful. dove into it like college. Yes,
0: so I've wow. taken all
1: the classes. I've taken all the master classes. Right. And I've also took it. It's also when they were offering the Dying Consciously work work, which was just breathtaking. Wow. Um, I became a certified teacher for that as well. And although mm-hmm. I haven't utilized that within the mediumship and, and then becoming a grief counselor on top of it, I mean, there's, there's so many aspects and I'm so blessed about the shaman work because it
0: right. really
1: allows different energy tools to empower people when they feel powerless
0: and so I'd like to talk about that a little bit, how you bring the, some of the shamanism, possibly rituals or the things into, or you suggest that people bring into their lives, you know, to help them with, with hard, difficult times. And also um, where intuition plays a role. When, when do you know that, that intuition is, is the real thing, you know, in that feeling and you want to be sure you, you know, listen to that.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to switch the order of the questions if it's all right and talk about intuition first and then talk about ceremony and ritual because it's so impactful. The intuition is something to cultivate. People go to the gym and work out and over time they create a sculpted Hopefully, um, <laughs> physical form that represents a commitment to a discipline. Your intuition equally is a discipline to nurture, and it's part of the reason why in the classes that I'm offering, I'm doing a two-hour free intuition class because I, it's so mandatory for everybody to trust their instincts.
0: Yes,
1: and because. It isn't something that is included in our classic education, which I kind of wish it was.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, We don't trust it. So we will innately reach outside of ourselves for assistance. Someone else has the answer besides me. And the only way to really work on it is to work on it. The only way to trust it is to learn to trust it so there are beautiful tools and techniques you can use to trust your instincts that are actually really fun and they can be done with a family they can be done individually for instance just having a blank journal in the morning and if you have an oracle deck a tarot deck something like that which many people that are nurturers and kind of that yummy group of people love to like play that way spiritually so get it get a get a a yummy um oracle deck or a tarot deck but have a blank journal with a pen that works Um, and when you first wake up in the morning you can do a little you know five minute meditation something or just simply be conscious of your breath for a couple of moments and if you need to take the journal and maybe kind of allow your mind to release some prevalent thoughts of things you have to get done or that kind of thing that will take you forward in your life or back in your life more or less that the, the need to kind of release thoughts of your mind is because they either will connect with a future event or a worry or concern, or they will be something that's unfinished that has already happened, but very rarely is any of those contents. What is present? So by d- releasing those things and having a place and a space for them, it allows you to be in a place and a space where you could be present. So once you have that sense of presence, just close your eyes and ask the spirit world. You can do. I like to do prayer because I like to make sure I'm in the most sacred space as possible. So just say, you know, I'm open to my angels or whatever works for right, people, right. Um, and then just say what is the word for today and you'll either feel it you'll see it you'll hear it and all of those are your soul senses so those are the intuitive pathways that your soul transforms an energetic message to knowledge or something concrete that you can claim right our physical senses do that with the physical world We'll feel a table and the structure of it, but we equally can feel the energy of an incoming message or feel that something doesn't feel right, right?
0: Yes, yes, exactly.
1: Writing writing in the journal the word of the day and then pick a card for the day and look at it and write down all the things about the card that are really interesting to you and then go about your day. And then at night before you go to bed, go back to the word that you got. And get that card out and look at it and go, oh my God, that's so weird. There's this in the card and that corresponds to this. Or I have no idea why I chose this card. It has no relevance and just write that down. But the funny thing is with decks, the same card will oftentimes show up. And what it starts to help you understand is you're already being communicated with. You're yes. already being guided. You just need tools and techniques to allow the spirit world to be able to work with you, so then you can continue your learning and be in this really fun spiritual classroom.
0: That's that's a great idea, and because I do angel cards every morning, but I haven't thought about the about the journal and and writing things down and. <laughs>
1: I'm showing a place where I keep my angel cards
0: oh, that, that I use fantastic. with my
1: clients every day. Yeah. I love
0: yeah. angel cards. They're so beautiful. Oh, they're, they're amazing. Wait, I have a question before we get into shamanism. Um, yeah. What I know you were really intuitive as a child and I know your grandmother um, was, you know, was a big part of that. And can you just tell us a little bit about that? Because you have so much knowledge. And and even though I read your bio, it's, and uh, there's so many things I want to talk about. I think I may have to have you come back for to talk about mediumship. Yes. But just how this all evolved for you. So I was five.
1: And I was in a fashion show. Um, I was shy as a child and my mom was really beautiful oh my god and she was a model and i was a little intimidated by the fact that i had to be a model too i was a bridesmaid i had this ridiculously large amount of tool that i had to navigate and i was clumsy by nature which i think was part of my personal charm as (laughs) so if anybody was going to face plant like it was going to be me so right. <laughs> I was anxious that I was not going to do well. So the night before the fashion show, and due respect to my mom, she wasn't the kind of person who woke up in the middle of the night and said, I'm scared. Like she taught me to be fantastically independent. and I'm super grateful for her for that. So I didn't know what else to do. The stuffed animals weren't talking back. So I prayed. <laughs> I prayed. And I said, oh, God, you know, one of those baseline call in anybody you can think of prayers that all of us know what that feels like. And to my five-year-old mind, this was one of those moments. So all of a sudden, the rooms of my wall started to morph, more or less. They became almost gelatinous. And from this almost permeable membrane, all of these people came into my room. They were not people that were physical and yet they appeared to be physical, but they you could see through them. They were not known to me, but I was not nervous at all. I was immediately comforted and there was a lot of them. There was a lot at first to the point where my entire room was filled with this presence. But there was one woman who came forward, who I remember as being rather illuminated, And she didn't communicate in words. She spoke soul to soul, which souls do when you do spirit communication. And she spoke to my soul and let me know that they were there to help and asked what I needed. And I simply felt how afraid I was and immediately the room transformed to two different realities. So I was in the reality with her, but then my room morphed into the reality of the runway of the next day. So I was in the present and the future at the same time, but I could witness my future self stepping up the stairs that I was convinced I was going to just face plan on and managing the tool and getting to the top of the stairs. And then once I got there, I saw myself take this big breath and relax. And then she had me transition from the the awareness of my soul to the feeling of the souls and the audience. So I could feel how everybody felt toward me. And there was so much love and support that I knew I was going to be fine. But then she even more had me feel the energy of the room, of the invisible presence of the room. And I knew I felt this just unconditional love. So I knew there was no way I could fail. So the minute I had that conscious thought, there's no way I can fail. I was back in my bed with her. There were still people in the room, but not as many as before. And that Mm -hmm. future moment had faded. And once she had a feeling from me that I was going to be okay, she just kind of dissipated and disappeared and I fell back asleep what five years old yeah
0: and you obviously remember it very vividly to this day
1: i do i do well i'm so grateful for the memory but i will say we all have to forget what we know to really claim it and remember it there are people who do remember their whole lives but i forgot for a while but that's okay because i it's i value i get it now you know i get quiet. I get the gift of what that moment was
0: mm-hmm. and i I love that you know, a lot of this podcast, it's about um, remembering, mm. remembering where we came from, that authentic self, the the source, the childlike nature. and it's I, you're right. I think I think many times you have to forget before you remember. Yeah through whatever that and it's usually somewhat of a, a difficult journey so let's just touch upon shamanism if you want to say something you want to say i was something just going to add that. one yeah. thing that yeah
1: forgetting i think the reason why forgetting is so fantastic is because you're actually practicing a spiritual principle which is detachment Mm -hmm. and detachment is the only way something authentically returns and then it returns with a higher dynamic. It's the hardest thing we have with setting intentions. It's the hardest, hardest element of surrender that we have when we really want something to happen and we just keep feeding that line. But the only way it really manifests is when you have the ability and the trust, and it really is about trust to just completely release the desire and know it's going to be manifest. And by releasing it, you allow it to manifest even better than it possibly could have in your mind because your ability to create is limited because we're seeing it from a finite perspective, not from that infinite perspective always. And as a transition into shamanism, aha, one of the benefits of studying shamanism for me was really understanding that principle in particular, the idea of the detachment and how important it is to keep feeding these lines of things that you want, but equally to be aware of how you might be feeding things that you don't want to invest in a destiny line with Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: the discipline of, of self-awareness to notice when you're actually creating a destiny line and adding to a potential future that you have no interest in participating in mm-hmm. just because you're not paying attention.
0: Wow. Wow. That's beautifully said. And I remember, you know, I met you, I found out about you through Terry Daniels and mm-hmm. it just, I always remember when she, what was the term? It was a Muslim prayer. Oh. And, well, what was a mantra actually. Yes. It's uh, Ruah.
1: Ruah yes. is the, I think it's the return to the breath, but that yes. may not be what you're thinking of.
0: Well, it was just I'm going to give it to God, or if you don't want to use the term God, the source, the lies, and just releasing it. And like you said, you know, just letting it, um, just releasing yeah. and trusting, trusting. So well, incredible. It in a sense,
1: it in a sense goes back to that idea of the dualism within us, because the finite yes. self does not believe that it believes it's in control so it doesn't understand the fact that there is a higher power if it's just Mm. in and of itself so it's it it really is a handing off of a deep you know a, a wish that the finite self is making out of a moment of absolute vulnerability which is not something our human being enjoys and almost handing off the energy of that to the hand of the infinite self So the infinite self can just raise its palm up with the beauty of that wish up to the spirit world and just release it into the Mm. unknown, knowing that it's going to be answered. So that inherent trust and that awareness does not come from innately our human being because we don't understand we're connected to things that are greater than ourselves. It is the act of the infinite self to understand that we have all the right in the world to ask for assistance and help. And that by doing that, we really allow ourselves to
0: co-create our life. Beautifully said. Thank you. So Austin, thank you so much for today. And if people want want to learn more about you, how can they find you?
1: They can find me on the internet, (laughs) <laughs> Which is uh, my in my my name is Austin Wells. That's A U S T Y N W E L L S, and my website is austinwells.com. I am blessed to have interviews and um, different media collections that people can use as a, a way of learning. I speak at conferences, including the Afterlife Conference that Terry Daniel and I will be. Um, forging ahead with because she's very certain we will be in Chicago in June. And I love her for that. Um, as well as the Sun Valley wellness festival, that's another one I'm aligned with, which is a complete honor to be part of that conversation. And then I teach mediumship intuition and I really like teaching people like I'm doing with my homeschool right now. um, just how to love their own humanity by recognizing the duality and the beauty of the soul. And that's so part cool. of the impetus of my writing my book, Soul Conversations. Yes.
0: Yes. Let's not forget that, Soul Conversations. Yeah. And I'd love for you to come back on and talk about Soul Conversations one day soon. Well, thank you so much. All of that information will be in the show notes. And really, really appreciate your your words of wisdom. So um, you, have a, you have a great day. Thank you, Marla, so much. And thank you for doing this
1: for other people. It's really lovely. Absolutely. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at Interviews with innocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you.